1: So some of our listeners might know this, but over the last two years, I've been hosting a mini-documentary series called Next Jobs. And over the summer, I noticed on YouTube that traffic on my show fell off a cliff. We published a piece in June about self-driving cars and a piece in July about genetic testing that both turned out to be complete flops on the service, and I had no idea why. At the time, I complained endlessly to our very patient video platform manager at Bloomberg, and also to my equally patient wife. And while it's complaining to them, other YouTube creators around the world were complaining to a guy called Tim Schmoyer. Welcome back to Video
2: Creators. It's great to have you guys again for another Video Creators Podcast episode. Today is a juicy topic.
1: Tim runs an advice channel on YouTube for other YouTube creators. At the time he taped this video, a lot of creators were worried about a change YouTube had just announced.
2: And I've already heard from some creators saying, like, 90% of my traffic is gone, and this video was doing great, and now it's completely dead, and it happened overnight, and this, and... I mean, I understand, like, creators, like, hey, this is a really emotional thing for us. We put our heart, we put our time, our energy into creating something that we want the world to see. And when we put that out there and we have no control (laughs) over whether or not people actually see this thing that we poured ourselves
1: into – yeah,
2: as it gets us it's offensive. It it kinda it kinda hurts. Let's just be honest about it.
1: Tim's right. There's something that feels uniquely awful about being at the mercy of this constantly changing system. And if it's this anxiety-inducing to me, and my income doesn't depend on YouTube traffic, it's got to feel so much worse for other creators who've made YouTube their full-time job. Today in the show, reporter Mark Bergen visits YouTube whisperer Tim Schmoyer has been advising creators on how to adapt to the video service's new world order. Over the last three years, YouTube has implemented sweeping changes, bowing to public outrage over the spread of dangerous and misleading content on the service. But do those changes risk alienating the very people who made YouTube such a valuable service for the rest of us? I'm Aki Ito. You're listening to Decrypted. Stay with us. Hey, Mark, how's it going?
3: It's going really well.
1: Do you want to introduce yourself?
3: Sure. Uh, I'm Mark Bergen. i reporter with Bloomberg Technology, and I mostly write about Google and its parent company, Alphabet.
1: Today, we're talking about YouTube, which a decade ago was this fledgling, weird <laughs> video service. And today is worth, I think I've seen estimates of more than $100 billion, is that right?
3: Yeah, so the company's never shared its financials, but there are estimates that it's worth that much.
1: So as YouTube's gotten bigger, it's also had to make quite a few changes. Walk us through the broad contours of that.
3: Yeah, so I don't know if you remember a decade ago, one of the most popular YouTube videos was Charlie Bit My Finger.
1: Ow! (laughs)
3: It was just like lo-fi, like home videos, hugely viral. And at that point, this was like the magic of YouTube was that anyone could upload a video. Anyone could start making money off of it. Uh, And it went off in this huge success. This was before it became just a much bigger platform, before a lot of media companies were on there, before these big stars and and celebrities then turned into this like high production and uh, expensive content. Um, For a long time, for nearly a decade, YouTube got away with this. And Google, it was this huge growth property for them. Uh, starting around 2017, that growth kind of got out of hand, and we saw um, there was major advertising boycott after some ads ran on extremist jihadi videos, um, some videos full of hate speech. So starting in 2017, YouTube's made a ton of changes to make it a lot more difficult for hate speech videos, for disturbing extremist videos to come up. Um, at the same time, for, it's made it more difficult for creators to make money. So, the most recent changes from YouTube are happening around kids' content. Kids' content on YouTube is massive, right? The, some nursery rhymes are some of the biggest channels in the world. Um, toy unboxing videos are incredibly popular. And there's also this really popular world of, like, you call it like family vlogging, where families kind of put our, their home videos on YouTube. So, in September, Uh, the company settled with the Federal Trade Commission for violating children's privacy because the government accused YouTube of basically tracking um, and serving ads to kids under 13, which is not legal on the Internet. Uh, So starting January 1st, the company told creators, "Okay, you're not allowed to serve any of these targeted ads, uh, which is they're basically more expensive ads. And for a lot of YouTube creators right now, they're very anxious about these changes.
1: So a lot of changes coming to YouTube, that's making creators very anxious. Mm -hmm. That's where our protagonist, Tim Schmoyer, comes in.
3: Yep. So I met him at VidCon, which is this big conference in Anaheim earlier this summer, and then I went out to his house in October. Hey, man. Found the right place. Yeah, you got it. Tim lives just outside of Cincinnati, uh, technically in Kentucky. Uh, He and his wife live with, uh, get this, their seven children, (laughs) who they all homeschool.
2: Are you, you want
3: to eat? Yeah. The important thing to know about the, the Schmoyer family is they live and breathe YouTube. They watch YouTube together. Uh, Tim and his wife have been making YouTube videos for about a decade uh, mm-hmm. with their kids.
2: Today is a special family adventure day. We are uh, getting pizza. We're waiting for it to cook right here. It says Mommy's Little Prince. Are you Mommy's Prince? Nah, no, I'm Zika. Sicker. You're seekers. You know what? She came out of mommy, Mommy's tummy last night and she's
1: really cute.
3: Their kids now run their own YouTube channel. (laughs) Um, I talked to Tim's older daughter over lunch and she talked to me about what it's like to watch herself on on YouTube videos.
2: Whenever whenever we watch it, like we, if we watch our channel normally, we like watching our old, 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 old ones when like Hallie and Toby and me and Ezekiel were babies. We like watching those ones Mm because we do. Us kids did a lot of funny stuff when we were little.
3: But you don't like watching the the newer ones much?
0: Uh, I like
3: watching them sometimes. When's the last video you were in? The
0: kids have a channel. Oh. I'm on it a lot. Yeah, it's actually fun for us.
1: <laughs> so how did Tim and his family get to this point?
3: So we started posting on YouTube in 2006. This is a very different era. The company had just started a year before, mm-hmm. and he was—he told me he was posting videos so his uh, family back home could s- see images and meet his new girlfriend.
2: A little date night. We haven't uh, done anything for a while. Look at all these coupons. I got a $25. I proposed to Dana today and she said yes. We were going to do it up
3: at. So they're posting on YouTube and then they discover that not just their family is watching it, but strangers on the internet are watching too. And I got
2: a little confused. I was like, wait who are these people? How are they finding my video? Why do they keep coming back? Who is is 72? And why do they keep commenting on my videos? You know, there wasn't really anyone answering those questions back then. And no one really knew. And so I was like, well, I'm going to figure this out. And so he's talking with other people on
3: YouTube and they're sharing tips about what does well and what doesn't work well. Uh, at this point, he was working actually as a youth pastor. <laughs> um And you know, he's, the way he talks about YouTube a lot is very similar. He feels that this is a, a channel for sort of changing people's lives.
2: And I had this like aha moment, like, man, if you really want to have big impact, you really want to change people's lives and reach people literally around the world. I was like, YouTube is like the perfect position, like perfect platform to do this. Um, Like on my blog, I could write about something and tell people about something. But like in a video, I could actually make them feel as if they were like experiencing it with me. I can invite them into it.
3: And he got really passionate about it. He went and worked for a marketing agency that worked on consultancy, whether it's big companies like HBO, Disney, or just small video creators, how to perform well on YouTube. In 2013, I believe, he starts this channel called Video Creators and decides to go out on his own and build this consultancy uh, where he gets people to pay him to give him advice about YouTube and how it
2: works. If you're looking to serve your audience on YouTube and earn a full-time income while doing it, I am really excited to make this course available for you. So buy
1: it, go through the... And uh, to be clear, he's an independent consultant. He's not paid by YouTube to do this.
3: Uh, yeah, he's he's one of their, like... I'd say like dozens of people, right, that that fit into this kind of orbiting YouTube. They don't work directly for YouTube. He certainly has a good relationship with the company, right? He's one of their kind of beta testers, which means he gets versions of products early. The company trusts him with that. Um, He's definitely talks to a lot of people. He talks to people at the company maybe once a week or so um, because it's important for, for YouTube to get this sort of network of trusted partners who understand how YouTube works and can explain that. And basically, deal with a lot of the problems that YouTube wants to keep at arm's length with with its creators.
1: So, what does a YouTube consultant do?
3: Uh, so, he spends a lot of time on video conference and, calls.
2: And um, before we get started, I only have three minutes, but um,
3: long hours with his clients. Uh, well, they all sort of so- sign in on video chat software. So he's standing in his office there, and they come in at one point. There were 18 different sort of creators wow. um, talking at one point. Uh, they're all in their own home offices or just their living rooms, and he gives these long sessions. And, and that one in particular was about uh, just about keywords.
2: How um, many of you guys do keyword research for your videos? How many of you – okay, hands down – Okay, raise your hands again. How many of you have seen keyword research make a significant impact on your channel growth? A little bit. A little bit. But going back.
3: Another part of Tim's consulting business is what he calls office hours. Right? So he just sort of uh, sets up some time where any of his um, YouTube creator clients can come in and ask him questions.
2: There me Yep, yep.
3: Well, I was there on a Wednesday. There was only one creator who called in. Uh, her name is Lucia Oliverio. She runs a cooking channel, lives outside of Sacramento. And one of the things that Tim advises her on is to identify who her target YouTube viewer is.
2: Which way does your target audience think about it? Well, that I don't know yet. Um, I'm, I was trying to figure out who my target audience is, and so I'm figuring it's...
3: And, and the advice that Tim gave when he talked to people, and even when we talked to me, was sort of counterintuitive. I'd always expect him, here's someone who spends years studying YouTube. It's like, okay, here's the best way to beat the algorithm, right? <laughs> you can do one, two, and three, and then your videos are just going to take off. But a lot of his response, his advice is, is sort of um, emotional, right? It's like um, build a channel, make videos that somehow appeal to this uh, viewer that you've never met before, right? But you want to build this sort of bond, and that is going to be more important than any sort of technical tactics that you take.
1: We'll be right back. The countdown
0: has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights, and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at Forum.com.
3: So at the same time that Tim's been running this business and video creators, he's also kept this old YouTube channel that he posted from 2006, and for a long time, that channel was all about his family. Um, They called them schmoovies. They would make these home videos um, where they're doing everything playing with friends, visiting an amusement park. Um, more recently, in the past few months, they've actually changed directions entirely. So this new channel is called Reclaiming Motherhood, and it's, it's Tim's wife talking about experiences um, with parenting.
2: For a typical birthday, I like to let the kids open up their gifts first thing in the morning. Because...
3: They're sort of applying the same lessons that he teaches in his consulting business to their own channel. And you can hear that when they... Record the latest video for that and sort of talk through as they're recording. Is this going to work well? Why doesn't this work well? Should we do it this way? Should we not do it that way?
2: <laughs> Any other points that you can think of? Well, what's the main point? What's the main story you're telling here? Like, what's someone's about? How How we celebrate? But what, what, like the someone, hey, what's the title it? that someone's going to click on?
3: I don't know. We didn't talk about that before.
2: Well, because that's, and then you need to go back and do your hook, like your opening hook.
3: I'm going to
1: stop the recording. And is this because of the FTC crackdown on children's content?
2: Well,
3: they are going to face a lot of the same issues that the family creators face. So they're not going to have comments on these videos because the prior videos feature kids. Mm -hmm. And they have the same sort of financial uncertainty about advertising going forward. But Tim said the main reason why they changed the channel is much more personal.
2: My wife's been pregnant or breastfeeding for 11 years straight. And her body's like taking a toll you know, on her. And so that now that's been almost two years since our, our last one was born, like she's coming out of that thinking like, oh man, I have a lot of encouragement I wanna to give to moms.
1: You know, we started our conversation today with all of the changes that YouTube's implemented and how that's made a lot of creators pretty mad about that. What's Tim's take?
3: Um, You know, he has. He's again. He's sort of an optimist on this. Um, We talked about this quite quite a bit. You know, his thought here is that um, YouTubers think of themselves as sort of employees of the company, uh, which may be true, um, and and they're not right. They're best. They're sort of contractors. Um, so, his mantra is that YouTube creators should think of themselves as entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. uh, as business women and men, and that they should be able to build these sort of businesses off YouTube that, um, where they don't need to rely on the company or even its advertising dollars.
1: And how do you do that?
3: Yeah, so YouTube's been trying some options for a while without much luck. Um, One of them is a membership program where, say, like a dedicated viewer will pay a monthly fee to get exclusive videos. Um, Or they have ways for YouTube creators to sell merchandise right below the video. They can sell a a T-shirt or some sort of product they're selling. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim talks a lot about how you know he's built a business where he has his consultancy. He sells eBooks and he makes more money from that than he does from ads.
1: Right, but you can't really scale Tim's model to everyone else. I mean, then everyone would just be a YouTube consultant consulting for each other. Yeah,
3: that'd be pretty unbearable. Uh, you can at this point a, a vast majority of the creators on YouTube who are making money are making money off ads.
1: Mm. And these changes that YouTube's implemented, did you get a chance to ask Tim's clients about that?
3: So Tim was kind enough to let me uh, stand in front of his, he's a standing desk, and I was standing in front of these 18 different YouTubers Uh um, on on this conference call. Um, But I did get to ask them a question that i love to ask creators, is if you were standing and sitting across from Susan Wojcicki, who's the CEO of YouTube, what would you ask her? But how much do they care about small-time creators? The demonetization pisses off a lot of creators, and they're trying to look for other platforms. What would it take to sort of say, "I'm gonna, I'm going to go elsewhere"? Um, I guess
0: for another platform to start paying people.
1: Okay, so Tim's client just told us that he would consider leaving YouTube if another platform paid him, and. I guess that's what's at stake for YouTube, right? YouTube needs these smart and interesting and funny people to keep making good videos, so all of us viewers keep coming back to the platform, which in turn drives advertising dollars for YouTube. But realistically, other video platforms like Netflix and Hulu aren't going to pay these small-time creators to start their own shows. For them, I think YouTube's their only bet.
3: Yeah, that's the cynical take is that YouTube actually doesn't need these people. They have they make enough money from the big creators. There is enough interest um, from new creators coming on. And that's why you hear from a lot of people that YouTube has left some of these smaller creators out the dry. Um, typically, you know, Tim does not agree with that. He's got a much more optimistic view. Do you think, uh, do you buy the theory that there's sort of YouTube is now kind of split to, and you, some of your clients were talking about this, like this premium world of, like uh, really high end and then sort of everybody else and that they're the company has been sort of giving preferential treatment to the premium world and not to like the everyday creators.
2: So I know a lot of people who work at YouTube on both a professional and a personal level. And, uh, I say with a hundred percent confidence that there is no one there that I've met who, is like, who doesn't care about the little creator?
1: You know, Mark, I've been thinking about this, and I think you can think of these small-time creators as kind of the civilian casualties of this war that YouTube's waging now on all this toxic, gross content. Even though the vast majority of them have nothing to do with that stuff, right? They're not making all the jihadi content. They're not making uh, the fake news that we're all mad about. And there's something sad about that. That squeezing out the little guys who made YouTube what it is today is the only way that YouTube can fix this mess.
3: Yeah, but at the same time, these little guys aren't quitting. <laughs> you know, they're still making a bunch of YouTube videos, mm-hmm. um, and, and YouTube is just continuing to grow. Um, and in some ways, that's, that's good for, for a business like Tim's, right? He is this chance to, to walk people through this very confusing world.
1: Mark Bergen, thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. Decrypted is hosted by me, Aki Ito. Sean Wen is our executive producer. Ethan Brooks makes the show today. Alistair Barr was our story editor. Francesca Levy is the head of Bloomberg Podcasts. We'll see you next week.
0: The countdown has begun from May 14th to 16th,